Barnabas was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, and a great many people were added to the Lord. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Please be seated. Here comes Bishop Frank. Some congregations take a big, deep breath at this point because they know I'm not going to let them sleep during the sermon. <laughs> Praise God. Happy St. Barnabas Day to you all. It's a red-letter day. Um, red letter, that's an important tradition that we have. It separated um, the major saints from the minor saints. And you know, in medieval times, we had like about five or six minor saints every day. Because the Roman, uh, when, when the Roman church was institutionalizing, it just added all the saints from France and all the saints from Germany and all the saints from England and all the saints from Italy, just added them all together into one calendar. So one of the issues at the, at the Reformation is to kind of, kind of uh, uh, depopulate the calendar and uh, try to focus on just a few saints because one of the issues were that each saint had their own readings and if you were trying to follow something in a daily pattern, you, you couldn't do that. You would be, uh, depending on who you were looking at and what you were doing, you'd be grabbing different scriptures. So it was kind of higgledy-piggledy. It was here, there, and everywhere. The reformers wanted us to keep straight, keep reading through the scriptures in a straight manner. Um, and so that was another reason to kind of chuck some of these minor saints out um, so that we had regular serial reading of the scriptures. Amen? Amen. Now, it doesn't look like everybody brought their Bible today. Now, you guys need not to be a typical Anglican congregation. I give you permission to, to do that. Some people have it on their, oh, yeah, show it, show it to me, yeah. <laughs> Some people have it on their phone, so that's okay. It's okay, Bishop Frank. We don't have a five-pound Bible here, but we've got our phone. So. Well, that's good, too. Praise the Lord. So a red-letter day um, usually focuses on the apostles. Now, Interestingly, St. Paul has a different view of the apostolic band, maybe because he's kind of, kind of like a loose cannon, loose wheel on the edge of that. Um, I mean, we consider him one of the greatest apostles, right, St. Paul? But he's also including people in his apostolic band um, that, that the church doesn't necessarily celebrate as, of course, the 12, the 12 apostles. But we have a few other apostles or apostolic delegates that are helping and aiding the church quite early. So Barnabas is one of them. I'm sure Barnabas is one of your favorite saints. Amen? I mean, I mean who's, who's, who is Barnabas, right? Um, but Timothy and Titus would be part of the apostolic band, okay? Silvanus, who is helping Paul write his letters, okay? Part of the apostolic band. Paul sometimes includes 
people, Andronicus and Junia, in his apostolic band. And in fact, we see men and women, uh, like in, in Romans 16, involved with Paul in the extension of the gospel, uh, working together as part of the apostolic band. Now, some of us, the true successors of the apostles, okay, don't laugh too hard, brother. <laughs> are, are worried because we don't want we don't want folks impinging on the apostolic, whatever. The glow, maybe it's the glow. Be careful. That's why that's why people don't sit in the front seat when the bishop comes, because <laughs> sometimes the glow is just too big, okay. and they don't want to, you know, be discombobulated by the glow. Well, I mean, but there is, there, is a, there, is, there is an office, but there's also a gift. And we, it's very difficult. Uh, sometimes we separate the two, but it's very difficult to try to separate the two, right? So Bishop Frank, as, an access, as a successor, accessory to the apostles, okay, is here. Um, but that gift is a larger gift. I think Paul is speaking to that in the New Testament. As the church becomes institutionalized, then we narrow things down. Things have to, the Western church is very legal, very specific, very black and white. We like to have things in a nice little box with a nice little ribbon and special clothes and special things going on. And... And, and that's important, but we can't disavow what the Holy Spirit's doing. Amen? Okay. The Holy Spirit will anoint people for specific ministries. Now, it appears that's what he's doing with Barnabas. The apostles send Barnabas to Antioch to figure out what is going on, dude. What's happening up there? Barnabas, now... Interestingly, the, the translation today is really bad, okay? Because there's two kinds of Hellenists. There's Jewish Hellenists, okay? Jews of the diaspora who've grown up in the world apart from Israel um, and who are Greek-speaking Jews, okay? And who have a separate culture than the Jerusalem Jews do, Okay? We can see that in Acts chapter 6 and 7 where Stephen is getting in trouble. And guess, who, guess who's attacking Stephen? The Hellenistic Jews from the synagogue of the freedmen, okay, the, of which Paul is attending. Hellenistic Jews from the synagogue of the freedmen. So in, in Jerusalem itself, there were synagogues of Jerusalemites, if that's a word, and also synagogues of, of visitors and people who stay in Jerusalem who are Hellenistic Greeks speaking Jews, Hellenistic Greek speaking Jews, who are just not the same as our Israeli. Israelite Jews in Jerusalem. It's not to say that there's a division. There's just cultural stuff happening. The same 
kind of cultural stuff is going to happen in Antioch because there were, there's a Jewish quarter to the city of Antioch, just like in Jerusalem uh, today. There's a Jewish quarter. There's a Christian quarter. There is a Palestinian quarter. And so you live there kind of according to your culture and things like that. In Antioch, during the time of Jesus and the apostles, the city was divided as well. There's a Jewish portion. Um, the gospel went there first. But then some missionaries from Cyprus, which is the big island in the Mediterranean, just off the coast of Syria and Israel, um, started to come in and started to talk to Greek speaking non-Jews, okay? Greek-speaking non-Jews. In our uh, translation today, it says Hellenists again. So Hellenists in the ESV is being used for Greek-speaking Jews and Gentiles, Greek-speaking Gentiles. Barnabas is sent to find out what's going on with this outreach to the Gentiles, What's happening? This is not, this is a new thing. Now, the great thing is the Lord has dealt with Peter, the chief of the apostles, before this happens, okay? So the apostles in Jerusalem, the 12, okay, have heard from Peter that God is now working in the hearts and minds of Gentiles. And the first place where this really begins to happen as a major movement is in Antioch. Now, most likely, the synagogue that would have those Gentiles in them are not going to be the same synagogues of the Jewish quarter. And it probably starts with the Hellenistic Greek-speaking Jews, okay? But it may quickly become that there are separate synagogues unto themselves for cultural reasons. The, one of the main reasons is these Gentiles are not going to be following the Jewish law. Amen? I mean, I think we can all agree to that. Amen. Amen. So, even in the New Testament, even before the New Testament, you have, uh, you have different kinds of synagogues based on culture, okay? Based on culture. Not race, okay? But culture. Now, those may be related, but that race is not the issue. Culture is, okay? Interpretation of the scriptures is Barnabas, a Hellenistic, Greek-speaking Jew, is sent to check this out and see what's going on. Great things are going on, praise the Lord. Now, the scripture that we mentioned to you at the beginning 11.24, Acts 11.24, Barnabas was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. 
full of the Holy Spirit and of faith is a, is a, a key description by Luke to suggest that Barnabas is, believes in miracles, okay, prays for miracles, and sees miracles happen. Okay? Stephen was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, as well as those first deacons in chapter 6. They were believing, praying, and seeing miracles happen. And that is part of what is um, attracting Hellenistic, Greek-speaking Jews and Gentiles to the faith. Okay? So that's a key word for Luke, a key description for these early leaders, the deacons, Stephen and Nicholas and all those guys, as well as Barnabas, Okay, so they are operating not only in bringing the word and um, uh, the good news of Jesus Christ, but they're also interested in seeing God act in the lives of people in a special, specific, and miraculous way. Amen? Because of that, because of that, people are added to, um, interesting, today it didn't say the church, People are being added to the Lord. People are being added to the Lord. Now, we already know that Barnabas is a special guy in the Jerusalem church. He's a leader there. That's why he's sent to Antioch. But he also um, is a very generous man. And he had some land, and after Pentecost Day, he gave his land to the apostles for their use. Now, I know that you all are praying for a Barnabas right now <laughs> here at St. Thomas um, for that person who might be able to give us a piece of land. Amen? Amen. Oh, yes, yes. I talked to the rector earlier. Yes, he said, that's just that's our prayer. That's our prayer. We need a Barnabas here, okay? So Barnabas is not only a trusting and believing in the Lord Jesus Christ, um, experiencing miracles and the power of the Holy Spirit in his life, but he's also a very generous guy and uh, dedicates uh, property that he has to help the church in Jerusalem. We also see from the record today in Acts that he and Saul, Saul at this point, Barnabas and Saul will take gifts to Jerusalem from the church in Antioch because of the famine, things like that. Now, that's very interesting. When, we, uh, when, when Barnabas gets to Antioch, he says, oh, wow, things are exploding here. Things are exploding. What are we going to do? He says, I think I'll go get Saul and bring him here and have him help disciple these Gentiles to the Lord. So he couldn't necessarily pick one of the heads of the synagogues in the Jewish quarter to work with Gentiles, right? Um, he could have used one of the other Hellenistic-speaking Greeks, but he also knew that Paul has many gifts 
And of course, at this point, people are not quite sure what to do with Saul, okay, who had been persecuting the Christians. He's a member of the synagogue of the freedmen in Jerusalem. He was there when Stephen was stoned and killed. But he had had his Damascus Road experience. And the church is not quite sure, what do we do with Saul? But I'm sure they had heard the prophecy that Ananias had given to Saul. You, you will be a light to the nations. You will bring the word to the Gentiles. So Barnabas goes to get this fellow Saul to bring him over and to begin to disciple the Gentiles in Antioch. Now, interestingly, in Luke's account, these first couple times that Barnabas and Saul are mentioned, Barnabas is in the lead. Okay? There's going to come a point shortly after here in chapter uh, 13 when they go on their missionary task that Paul becomes the key, and Barnabas is second. Oh, my goodness. What's happened? We would say, if we were thinking in our flesh, okay, oh, no, I am not the center of attention anymore. That's what we would say. Barnabas' gifts, though, are encouragement. Bar, Navas. Son of encouragement. Right? Bar is the word for son. Interestingly, I just throw this out as, you know. At the crucifixion, who was chosen rather than Jesus? Do you remember? Who was chosen rather than Jesus? The Pharisees said, oh, well, we'll, we'll or, or even the Roman uh, procurator said, well, we'll choose, who would you like us to set free today since it's a holiday? Who would you like us to set free? They said, set free Barabbas, Barabbas. Set Barabbas free, Barabbas. Interestingly, Bar Abba, son of the father. Okay. We have two sons of the father right there. Okay. The true son, Jesus. And the false son, Bar Abbas. Anyway, Bar means son in Hebrew. Bar Nabas is son of encouragement. And that's the, that's the way that God is using Barnabas as the son of encouragement. He goes and finds Saul when he, Saul is not in really good shape with the church. They're not sure what to do with him. They bring him and Saul begins to preach and teach and help the Gentiles develop into a strong church. That means that, therefore, when the missions start, Paul comes to first place. Barnabas 
is then in second place. Barnabas is also going to stick by his cousin, John Mark, okay? Uh, Barnabas is going to mentor both of these men, okay, in the early church, not worried about his position with the Lord, right? And so Barnabas becomes a person that we need to look at as someone who can mentor other people and not, not have a difficulty in, in, in elevating them if they're doing good things and they need to take stuff over, then he gives that ministry away. Amen? He's not worried about that. What does this mean? What does this mean? If Barnabas had not helped Paul, we would not have the letters in the New Testament. If Barnabas had not stayed with John Mark in a disagreement with Paul later on, Paul says, I don't want John Mark. Barnabas says, well, I'm going to go with John Mark. We're going to go in a different direction. You go your direction. We'll go our direction. I'm going to stay with him right now. He obviously needs some more discipleship, as you've obviously pointed out. So I'm going to stay with him and support him. John Mark, we believe, writes the gospel of Mark, right? Not the gospel of John, right? But the gospel of Mark. The gospel of Mark becomes the foundation for the whole gospel tradition. Matthew will use Mark. Luke will also use Mark as a structure on which also to add other parables and events in the life of Jesus. You, you, this New Testament that we have is basically from the fact that Barnabas was mentoring both Paul and John Mark in the faith uh, seeing their gifts, pushing them into the place where they need to be, allowing them to do that and supporting them all the way. We would not have our New Testament except for Barnabas. Barnabas. So you and I need these kinds of people around. We need this kind of mentorship going on. This mentorship is always happening in the family, where dads are mentoring their sons, and of course, moms are mentoring everybody. Amen? Amen. Amen. Yes, yes, yes. And we're thankful for that, moms, especially. We are. But this is crucial. Crucial, as you can see, to the whole foundation of the church. And of course, there's little Barnabas over there. We don't know much about him. We don't know what to do with him. It was funny. I grew up at a, uh, in our uh, church. We were right next to a Baptist church, and they had two buses that they named Agabus and Barnabas. <laughs> of course, you don't spell Barnabas that way, but that didn't matter because they had those two buses. Amen? Ooh, they had good stuff going on there. 
But who is this guy? What's he doing? This guy is agitating underneath. This guy is supporting the, the future leadership of the church. When other people are doubting, he's standing by helping them. And so this ministry is crucial. He's not only doing that, but he's donating to the furtherance of the church. Brothers and sisters, the church is built on the quiet saints. The quiet saints. And our blessings come from that. The Lord is calling us to uh, encourage people, encourage them in their gifts, lift them up so that they will also be able to contribute in the way that the Lord has prepared for them. So we rejoice today in Barnabas, a little-known apostolic delegate from Jerusalem who really assists the church in growing. For Barnabas was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, and a great many people were added to the Lord. Name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.